Amen. And as you're going, why don't you stay standing? We'll jump right into the word of the Lord. Amen. Why don't you turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 10? And we'll start reading at verse 5. And uh, as we're turning there, I just want to again say what a tremendous honor it is to be with you all. How many are having a great time at Junior Youth Camp 2019? Amen. Amen. Making friends. And I think I made some enemies this morning with that skit, Brother Trimble. I don't know, man. That may not be a good idea. Amen. Uh, but it's just been such a tremendous time. Have you enjoyed the ministry of Brother Trimble this week? Why don't we give him a hand? Amen. He's doing such a phenomenal job. Amen. It's just great to be here with him. And, of course, uh, with my great friend, Brother Nate Smith, your youth president and the wonderful youth committee, Brother Jackson, Brother Rogers. Thank you guys so much for the opportunity to be here. One more time, can you give them a hand? Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Brother Gaddy, I don't see him in the room, but I honor him. And Brother Sullivan and all those that had a part of me being here this week, thank you so much. It is such a humbling opportunity for me. Amen. And uh, I come tonight with a burden. Amen. For, uh, for not only you that are in the room tonight. Amen. But I come tonight with a burden for those that are not in this room. And yes, I'm preaching to you tonight. You guys are awesome. But tonight, I'm not only preaching to you, but I'm preaching to the people that you're going to go back and impact when you go home. I'm not only preaching to you tonight, but I'm preaching to your lost family member at home that you've given up hope to. I'm preaching to them tonight. I'm not only preaching to you tonight, but I'm preaching to the future you that's going to be a missionary over somewhere where people don't have access to what you have but God is going to call you and you're going to go there and God is going to use you I'm preaching to that you tonight I just feel so strongly amen the only way I can describe it I feel such a heaviness in my spirit in such a weight the only way I can describe it is I remember very vividly a night at youth camp when I was not much older than you, probably 18 or 19, I believe it was my last year. I felt the call of God on my life so strongly. Amen. Such a burden uh, in that service. And I feel that same spirit and that same presence of God in this room tonight. And I believe that God is going to allow for there to be a calling that is going to be placed on so many students. And not, here's the thing, not not just a few, but I believe that the calling of God is going to go forth to every single person in this building tonight. But here's the thing. The choice is yours as to whether or not you will respond and answer that call. The choice is up to you and to you alone as to whether or not you're going to say, God, I surrender myself. I surrender my life. I surrender my plans to your call. And I promise you that if you'll do that tonight, God will use you. Amen. Beyond your wildest dreams. Amen. Proverbs chapter 10. We'll start reading at verse 5. Just one passage of scripture for us uh, today. The Bible says that he that gathereth in summer is a wise son. But he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. He that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Amen. I want to preach on this topic tonight. They're still sleeping in Beaverton. They're still sleeping in Beaverton. Hopefully that'll make a little more sense here in a second. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to lift up your hands and I want you to pray and I want you to ask that God would speak to you in this place tonight. Would you do that? Would you pray right now? Come on, students. Why don't you just lift up your voice right now and pray. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, that your presence, that your spirit would speak in this place today, God. That it will not be the mere words of a man, but God, that it will be 
the pure undefiled words of God that will be spoken in this room right now in the name of Jesus Christ. God, touch every ear, Lord, that might hear your word, I pray. Lord, let us hear it with clarity, O God. Let it find a lodging place in our hearts tonight. I pray in Jesus' name that the call of God would be answered in this room tonight, God. I pray in Jesus' name against anything that would hinder, Lord, what you're speaking in this room, God. I take dominion and I take authority over every spirit, Lord God, that would try to exalt itself above the wisdom and the knowledge of God. And I release your power and your anointing into this room. Have your way, Jesus, in this place. We pray this in your name. Jesus, why don't you put your hands together and give the Lord some praise? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. The name of the company was Blue Ribbon Sports, founded in January of 1964. BRS was the brainchild of a University of Oregon track and field coach, Bill Bowerman, who had become dissatisfied with the running spikes of his runners. He believed their shoes to be too expensive and are too weighty, rather, and thus was overcome with a compulsive desire to create a better alternative for his runners. And in a desire to create a better alternative for his runners, he started a company that would uh, lead behind the shadows of mediocrity to become one of the most successful companies in the world. Headquartered in Beaverton, Oregon, Nike, as his company later became known, has become the world's wealthiest and most recognizable sports brands. Are any Nike fans in the room tonight? Amen. I'm kind of an Adidas guy myself, but I just kind of, all right, yeah, we got some Adidas fans, all right. But Nike, this little company that Bill Bowerman started turned into Nike, which has become the most recognizable sports brand in the world and with revenue in excess of $36.4 billion in 2018. Turn to your neighbor and tell them that's a lot of money, yo. That is a lot of money. 36.4 billion in 2018 and more than 73,000 employees worldwide. Turn to your other neighbor and say that's a lot of people, yo. 73,000 people employed by Nike in 2018 and Nike has thus solidified itself as big brother in the world of athletic footwear. The gap between Nike and his competition is so broad that it seemed nearly impossible for them to ever lose the foundation and the foothold that it has, no pun intended, in the industry. Yet on the other side of the United States, there is another company who is not so convinced that this gap is as large as Nike and as most of the world think it is. And a few years ago, Under Armour began to see tremendous growth in his footwear. Founded in hard-working, grinded-out Baltimore, Maryland. That's my neck of the woods. This company has seemed to have taken on the spirit of this city with this grit and grind mentality. Their relentless pursuit of success in the footwear industry is no doubt reminiscent of the formative years Bowerman forged in Nike's history. And Under Armour has made it no secret. Nike, we are coming for you. Which prompts this question. What is it that makes Under Armour believe that it can take out a juggernaut such as Nike? The answer to this question can be found on the wall of the company's gym at its headquarters where inscribed is this phrase, they're still sleeping in Beaverton. This phrase can be taken quite literally given the fact that the East Coast headquartered Under Armour is three hours ahead of the West Coast based Nike, more likely and more than likely when the employees of Under Armour are arriving at work, the employees of Nike are finishing up their night's slumber. But more importantly, Under Armour is not merely speaking or figuratively rather, but they are speaking literally. In the mind of Under Armour's leadership, Nike is sleep. They are clearly the big dogs. Clearly they have the upper hand. Clearly they have the advantage. But Under Armour understands 
that if Nike is asleep, they can overtake them. Nike, you see, has all the power. But if they are careless with their marketing and their recruiting of people for their cause, Under Armour knows we can eventually usurp them and take every plan that they have to keep their brand at the top. Therefore, Under Armour has launched successful campaigns aimed at luring would-be Nike ambassadors away from Nike's limp sleep grasp. And with much success, Cam Newton, Steph Curry, Jordan Spieth, and Bryce Harper, some of these former Nike ambassadors were all lured away from Nike and lured away to Under Armour. How did this happen? Because Nike has been sleep in the recruitment of players to join them. In a meeting trying to pitch Steph Curry on the company, a PowerPoint slide featured Kevin Durant's name, presumably left on accident from repurposed material. They didn't care enough about Curry to make any real effort. They just assumed he wanted what they had, and it cost Nike a great loss. And right now, it might not be a big thing, but if Nike doesn't course correct, they could be in danger of losing the battle that they are now winning. And some experts predict in the very near future that Under Armour is on a trajectory to one day surpass Nike. How could this be happening with such an advantage, with such power, with such wealth? Can I preach to you tonight that it's happening because they are still sleeping in Beaverton. The position of Nike tonight is in fact a simile of us tonight as a people of the living God. Just as the citizens of that great city, Beaverton, worked for the greatest powerhouse in the sports industry, every student under the sound of my voice works for the greatest power in this world, Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you today that you are not an underdog. You are not an underdog. You are not the you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are God's child and there is authority and power in your hands. Can I tell somebody today that you are the lender, not the borrower? Can I tell you when God filled you with the Holy Ghost, he gave you power and authority and you are not just an average ordinary student, but there is power coursing through your veins. When you signed up for the kingdom of God, you signed up in an army that had power and authority. And I don't care what hell says. Hell cannot stand up to one blood-bought child of God. You have authority. All you have to do is make up your mind. I'm going to exercise it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to be what God wants me to be in my life. Can I have a little more monitor on the platform? Listen, before I get to my point, I've got to remind somebody tonight that when God filled you with the Holy Ghost, he gave you power. When Jesus filled you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he gave you power. In Matthew 28, we find that the Bible says for them that God spoke to them and said, I want you to go wait for the promise of the Father. And he said, wait until you be undued with power. Can I preach to someone tonight that you are not some puny lip-wristed saint of God hiding behind a flowering facade. But when you speak, you have authority. There's not one devil in hell that can stand up to you. There's not one force of evil that can stand up to you there's not anything in this world that can stand up to you but come on God is for you and if God is for you who can be against you come on greater is he that is within you than he that's within the world come on God has a calling on you you're not just some backwards person but God has an anointing on your life Come on, would you clap your hands in the room if you believe it right now? I need you to get it before we move on today. The enemy has convinced you that you'll never do anything for God. The enemy has convinced you that God doesn't have a plan and a purpose for your life. That your personality isn't just one that is suitable for God to use. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter what your personality is. If you have the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you, you have what it takes to be used by God. You have what it takes. You are not an underdog. You are not forgotten and you are not abandoned. But God 
God is calling you tonight to exercise what's already on the inside of you. You don't need anything else more than what you have. What you have is enough. The power of the Holy Ghost is enough. The power of the Spirit of God is enough. Come on. Devil, you can't stand up to me. Devil, you better back down because what's in me is greater than what's in the world. What's in me can bring down every stronghold of darkness, can bring down every stronghold of doubt and fear and intimidation. Come on, somebody. You need to raise up in this place and say, get thee behind me, devil. I'm not going to be behind you, but I'm going to allow God to do something in my life. Come on, you do have power. You have authority. You do have the spirit of the almighty God living inside of you. You are royalty in this house. I come today to remind you of how powerful you are at the onset of this service. But I haven't come today just to remind you of how powerful you are. I've done that to a certain extent already this week. But tonight, I've come to admonish you today about one thing that can render you powerless. Can I tell you today, the biggest threat to your power is not the enemy of your soul. The biggest threat to your power is not the world in which you live. But the biggest threat to your power just as it is with Nike, it's understanding when the enemy understands if he can get you to go to sleep that he's won. The biggest threat to your power is not the, uh, the world, but just as Under Armour understood with Nike, the enemy knows that the biggest threat to a child of God's power is sleeping during the time of recruitment and harvest. When it is a God-ordained time, for you to get out of where you are right now and go and be a light to this world. The enemy knows that if he can get you to just sit back on that, that he can render you powerless. Oh no, you don't understand. I can sit back in church and just kind of go through the motions. I can sit back in church and just have church for myself. Can I tell you today that that is not true? But if the enemy can get you to go, go to sleep on your calling and on your purpose, it's not going to be longer before you are going to be out of church and out of the will of God and out of the call of God on your life. Come on, somebody. I've come to preach to you today. It's not time to go to sleep on your calling. It's not time to go to sleep. There is purpose on your life. There is destiny on your life. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. And if the devil can cause you to go to sleep, he's going to win. But I believe there's some young people in this place tonight that are saying, I'm not going to go to sleep. But I realize I have a call. I realize I have a purpose. I realize the hand of God is on my life. And I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to be a light. I'm going to be somebody that's going to say, those that are lost in my world the last days are the greatest times of harvest that the world has ever seen God himself has proclaimed the last days as the greatest season of revival and harvest the church has ever seen. You see, the enemy has begun to tell some of you that the greatest days of the church are behind us. The greatest days of the church were in the book of Acts. The greatest days of the church were when my mom and my dad and my grandma and my grandpa were in church and young. Can I tell you today that that is a lie from the pit of hell. The greatest days of the church are right here, right now. And the greatest warriors of the church are right here, right now. God has called you into the kingdom for such a time as this because he knows if I could just get them to wake up, if I could just awaken something on the inside, of them there's no devil and hell that can stop them they're gonna have revival they're gonna reach the world they're gonna evangelize the lost come on somebody revival is here harvest is here God's anointing is here come on it's time to go into the world and preach the gospel it's time to go into the world and be a light the greatest time to be in the kingdom is right now
right now. Last days, God promises that he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. That the latter rain would be greater than the former rain. And so God, in this time, knowing that it is, this is a time of harvest, it's just waiting for someone to answer the call. Just waiting for someone to be a vessel that he can use. But the enemy of our soul knows his only hope at being victorious is to cause for some young person to go to sleep in Beaverton, so to speak. The only way that you can be ineffective and walking in the anointing and the call of God on your life is for you to just think, oh, I'm average. I'm ordinary. I'll never do anything for God. God can never use me. The devil can't defeat you. The devil is the underdog. Despite what he's tried to tell you, there is no weapon formed against you that can prosper. But if the enemy can get you to defeat yourself, then he'll win. If the enemy can get you to convince yourself that you'll never be what God has called you to be, then he will win. Can I tell you today, the only weapon that the enemy has is what he is able to say. He has no authority and has no power. The enemy can talk, but can I tell you today that just because the enemy talks doesn't mean that it's what he says is true. The Bible says that the devil is a liar and the father of lies. That means that every time the devil talks, all he's talking is lies. And so when he tells you that you can't be called of God, that you can't be used by God, you can count it up as a lie. But I know a God that is truth. Come on, in him is truth. He cannot tell a lie. And what he's saying about you in this room is you're called, you're chosen. You're mine. Get up out of your sleep. Get up out of your comfort zone. And heed my call. I want to use you in this last day. Come on, if you believe that. I wonder if you would clap your hands unto the Lord in this place. Someone who also was very familiar with giving up his calling and going to sleep was Jonah. And we find Jonah, that great revivalist of the Old Testament, in Jonah chapter 1, having a future altering encounter with God similar to the ones that we have been experiencing at youth camp this week. I dare say that these moments, although they might have been new to Jonah, they certainly were not unfamiliar to him, for he was reared in a truth-teaching home. Jonah knew what it was like to grow up in the truth. And the Bible declares in verse 1 that the word of God comes to Jonah, the son of Amittai. In the Bible, we can tell a lot about a person based on what their name was. Because in Bible times, you name people based on traits and attributes that were true of them. And so the father of Jonah, his name was Amittai, which means truth or truth-telling. So we can conclude that Jonah had no doubt heard the truths of God's word. Jonah had something very in common with every single one of you, most of you that are in this place. Jonah knew what it was like to experience the moves of God. Jonah knew what it was like to experience the truth of God's word. Jonah knew what it was like to hear how God had delivered the children of Israel before, how God had caused the waters of the Red Seas to part so that the children of Israel could march to the land of promise. He heard Joshua about how Joshua boldly declared in the battle against the Amorites, son, stand still. And the God of all creation heeded that call and caused the son to stand still for an entire day. He heard it all before. Yet on this day, the Lord calls Jonah, not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob, but Jonah. God called to reap the ingathering of harvest of souls. 
And the Bible says that God speaks to Jonah and says, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Can I tell you that after receiving this word, Jonah was faced with a decision that we all have to make after God places a call on our life. We can either respond in faith, in obedience, or cower in doubt and defiance. Jonah chooses the latter. Isn't it peculiar that the one thing that caused Jonah to backslide was the Lord asking Jonah to preach to lost people? The one thing that God asked of Jonah that caused him to throw up his hands and say, I don't want to do this anymore, was God asking Jonah to go preach to someone that didn't know anything about him. God didn't ask him to do something so hard. God didn't ask him to change incredible things about him. All God said was, Jonah, I want you to go preach to someone that doesn't know anything about me. I feel God calling me tonight to tell somebody that there is a call on your life. A call to be a witness to your family. A call to be a light at your school. A call to start a P7 Bible club. And you don't have to be average. You don't have to be ordinary. But you have a choice to to say God I'm going to be a disciple maker I'm going to be a missionary I'm going to be a preacher I'm going to listen to the call that you're seeing in my life right now God I hear you loud and clear I hear you loud and clear and I'm not going to ignore your voice I'm not going to ignore what you're speaking to me but God here I am send me if you want a vessel Lord you can use me if you need somebody that's willing I'm willing send me oh God Just as Jonah had a choice, every single person in this building has a choice. We can either respond to God with faith and obedience. You see, some of you are like, God, I'm not good enough. I don't have it together enough to be used of you. I don't have it together to be used of you. But can I tell you today uh, that all God is looking for is somebody that is willing. God is not looking for the perfect you. God is looking for the you that is willing to get out of your comfort zone and reach people that are lost. Come on. There is a lost and dying world out there looking for some young person that will make up their minds. I will be what God has called me to be. I will go where God wants me to go. I I'm not waiting till I'm 30 years old to be used of God. I'm not waiting until everything's together to be used of God. But right now, I'm making up my mind. I'm making up my mind. I'm going to be used of you. I'm going to be used of you. There's a calling on my life. I hear God calling someone in this room tonight. You felt the nudge in your spirit even this week to be a preacher, to be a missionary. Come on. Don't you dare talk yourself out of what God is calling you to do. You can be a preacher preacher you can't be a missionary you can't be a leader come on God it's calling you come on say it. come up higher come up come on go deeper I'm going to use you come on you are a royal priesthood you are a chosen generation you've been called to show forth the praises of him that brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light Come on, your lost friends need what you have. Your lost loved ones need what you have. What you so many times take for granted, they need in this room tonight. So God speaks to Jonah to go reach that great city of Nineveh. And Jonah opts out. So call of God and all. Jonah rises and embarks on a voyage to Tarshish instead of to Nineveh where he should have been going. And the Bible says that he went, when he went to Tarshish where he should not have been, he went away from the presence of God. Can I preach to some young person in this place tonight that when you walk away from your calling, you walk away from the presence of God. When you walk away from the purpose of God on your life, you're not just walking away from church. You're not just walking away from a simple ministry opportunity. But when you walk away from your calling, you're also walking away from the presence of the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in a place where I'm walking away from the presence of God. 
I don't know about you. I don't want to be in a place where I'm without him because he's my everything. He's the one that changed my life. He's the one that picked me up and turned me around. When other people gave up on me, he still gave, he still believed in me. When other people turned their back on me, he still believed in me. And I don't know about you, but I want to be where he is. I cannot go anywhere without him holding my hand. I can't go anywhere without the presence of God. Come on, God, don't take your spirit away from me. You can take the money. You can take the fame. You can take everything. But God, don't take your presence away from me. And some of you think when you ignore the call of God on your life, you're just ignoring some things because it's a little difficult. But can I tell you today that when you get out of the will of God, you also get away from the presence of God. When you get away from the call of God, you get away from the presence of God. When you start gambling around with your calling, you get away from the presence of God. Come on, Samson. Don't you know that you're strong? Don't you know that you got everything figured out? The Bible says that Samson, you know the story. Samson was a big, strong man with the call of God on his life. But somewhere the call of God became too much. And Samson said these rules and these regulations, these things that God has told me to do, that I can't cut my hair and that I can't do all these things, they're just a little bit too much for me. And Samson thought all he was doing was just getting rid of the inconvenience. And the Bible says that Samson did not realize that the Spirit of God had gone from him. Samson went up, the Bible says that he tried to get up and shake himself like he had done so many times before but the Bible said that the presence of God was not with him why? because Samson walked away from his calling and you cannot walk away from your calling without walking away from the presence of God come on young person it's bigger than what you think it is right now but you need to make up your mind God I'm going to walk into my calling and thus I'm going to walk with you I'm going to walk into my anointing and thus Jesus I'm going to walk with you every step of the way come on Samson God has an anointing on your life come on Samson God has a purpose on your life come on Jonah get up from where you are there's a calling on your life and so the Bible says that Jonah gets on the ship and goes to Tarshish And while at sea, a mighty tempest begins battering the ship as Jonah is in the ship asleep. Jonah literally had gone to sleep during a time of harvest. Jonah had literally become so comfortable with where he was that Jonah began to lull himself to sleep and had gone sleep, so to speak, in Beaverton. But the thing about this story that gets me is how Jonah is awakened. The Bible says as the wind and the waves are blowing, as Jonah is asleep in his purpose, asleep on his calling, sleep during a time where he should be walking in the purpose in the destiny of God on his life it was not the winds and the waves that awakened Jonah it was not the situations that were bad that awakened Jonah it wasn't the things that were happening around him that were so bad that awakened Jonah but the Bible says the thing that awoke Jonah was the people that were lost and dying around him the Bible says, as Jonah is sleeping in the boat, the captain of the ship says, what is going on? There is somebody on this boat that has a calling on their life. There is somebody on this boat that is not supposed to be here. There is somebody on this boat that has the answer to what we're going through right now. And the Bible says that they come to Jonah and they say to Jonah, Jonah, there's so much bad going on around us right now. There's so many things that are going on that are rough right now. 
now. Jonah, we look to you because you look like you might be a man of God. I know you don't see it right now, but we can see it on you, Jonah. There's something different about you. There's something special about you, Jonah. I know you think you're ordinary, Jonah. I know you think you're nothing special. But Jonah, can you pray to your God? Jonah, can you get a hold of God for us? Can I tell you right now that you may not think that you're something special, but there are people at your school that look to you and say, my God, I don't know what it is about them, but there's something about them that I need. There's something about them that I can't get away from. And they're just looking. They're just waiting for an opportunity to ask you, who are you? Who's your God? What's different about you? Come on. Can he save my family? Come on. Can he save my life? Come on. Can he deliver me out of pornography? Come on. Can he deliver me out of sin? You're not normal. You're not ordinary. But the world recognizes there's a call on your life. So when Jonah makes up his mind that he's going to go to sleep on his calling, he not only endangers himself, but he endangers those around him. You see, when you decide to give up on your calling, you are not just affecting you. You think that you're the only one that has, has to suffer consequences for the actions that you are taking right now? No, 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 no. Can I tell you that there are people attached to you? There are people that are attached to your decision to make a call, to live the call of God on your life. There are people that are attached to your decision to live for God. Come on. There is people in your school whose salvation is dependent on whether or not you make a decision to answer the call of God on your life. I would to God that there would be a young person in this place that would say, I'm not going to be selfish. I'm not going to be selfish with my call. But God, I I'll sacrifice, I'll pray, I'll do whatever it has to, I have to do because there's somebody attached to me. I'm not only endangering my soul, but there's somebody else that's going to die unless I go in my call. There's somebody else out there that's going to die unless I listen to the voice of God calling me. I wonder if you will lift up your hands right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. I feel the Spirit of God calling somebody even now. Would you begin to pray? Come on, young person. It's not just about you, but there's somebody at your school that's been cutting themselves. There's somebody at your school that this week might have had a gun to their head, and they're looking at you and said, my God, if I could just have a conversation with them, I bet I could come out of this. If I could just talk to them, I bet you I could be delivered from this. Come on, somebody. There is somebody attached to you. There's a young person attached to you. There's somebody in Africa attached to you. There's somebody in Rome attached to you there's somebody in Paris attached to you come on answer the call in this room tonight and here at this juncture the shipmaster sends a jolt of sobriety through Jonah's spirit that caused him to never fall back into his slumber. And Jonah realized that my sleep almost cost me my life, but not only my life, but the life of others. If you don't get anything else that I say tonight, I want you to get this. The greatest danger to the church is, not our, is our willingness to sleep during a God-ordained time of harvest. I don't believe that Jonah was a bad guy. I don't think he had completely given up on God. But can I tell you that God had given him a declaration that Jonah, it's time to go. Jonah, it's time to reap the harvest. Jonah, the people of Nineveh need me. And Jonah said, I'm not going to do it. 
And as soon as he closed his eyes, a storm started raging that he didn't even know about. And his life was in danger. The Bible says that in the last days, there were people that were going to be asleep. There were going to be people that were completely aloof and unaware of what was going on in the spirit realm. There were going to be people in the church that were going to allow a Laodicean spirit to get a hold of them. And they were just going to be in coast mode. But can I tell you today that the Bible lets us know in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 6 that we should not be asleep as do others. But the Bible says that we need to be sober and that we need to watch and that we need to pray because the eternal, the coming back of the eternal God is very near at hand. And then I, let me tell you something, that during this time, God is preparing a bride. God is preparing a church, and you are a part of that. And if you allow yourself to go to sleep, you're not going to be a part of what God wants you to be a part of. The only way you can miss out on the call of God on your life is if you allow yourself to go to sleep. Jonah was still a man of truth. Jonah still grew up in a home of truth. But the thing that, that doomed Jonah was his willingness to sleep. I remember being about your age, about 18 or 19, being in a service very similar to the one that we are in right now. There is a very impactful message that was preached. I'll still, I still remember it. I'll never forget it to the day that I die. Brother Greg Fraser preached a message called Don't Bury the Mantle. And it was very much the same thing about the call of God that was placed on, on people's lives and answering the call and not giving up on the call of God no matter what happened. And you see, at that point in my life, I had a decision to make. I was 18. I was 19 years old. I grew up in a very small church. Nobody knew my name. Nobody knew who I was. I grew up in a very small church. But as a young man, I had begun to hone my talents and my abilities. I had begun to, uh, to, to spend time honing my talents and my abilities. My dad built me a home studio when I was probably about 12 or 13. And I would spend hours and hours every single day. I mean, there were times I would go out there and they wouldn't see me until it was, you know, I'd go out in the morning and they, my parents wouldn't see me until it was, I don't know, 11, 12 at night. I dedicated myself to this craft of songwriting and producing music and singing and playing. I dedicated myself to it. But here's the thing. I wasn't doing it because I was so impressed with who I, who I was I wasn't doing it to impress anybody else, but I was doing it because I knew that God had placed a call on my life. I knew that God had placed a call on my life at a very young age. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was probably seven or eight years of age, and I was playing drums in the church, and uh, that was my very first instrument. I was playing drums, and I've never told this story before in a public setting, so this, this I, don't, I don't like... I don't want to make it seem like I'm boasting, but I, I really want to tell you this because I feel like it'll help somebody tonight. But I remember being there seven, eight years old playing the drums, and there was a great prophet that would come by our church. His name was Jeff Story. And I was seven or eight years of age playing the drums, and he came over to me, and he laid his head, hand on my head. He did not know me from Adam. He did not know anything about me, but he laid his hand on my head. And he said, son, the anointing of God is on your life. And he said, I'm prophesying over you that thousands will know and love your music. The call of God is on your life. You're going to write songs. You're going to write music. And thousands are going to know who you are. But greater than that, thousands are going to know who Jesus is because of the music that I'm going to give you. I was seven or eight years of age. I barely had started writing music. I didn't, I'm telling you, I remember that day, and I didn't know what in the world the guy was talking about. I was like, my music? 
I don't, in my mind, and I had started writing a little bit, but in my mind, I couldn't even register that because I was an eight-year-old person. Like, my, well, maybe I'll play drums for somebody is what I thought. But as I got older, I began to hone those talents and I began to hone those abilities. And to be honest with you, I, com I completely forgot about the prophecy to right around the same time that camp rolled around. And it was just a natural progression as I tried to please God. I got the Holy Ghost at five years old, and can I tell you, it changed my life. Some of us think that when kids get the Holy Ghost that it's just some little crazy thing and that they never remember what happened and that it's just some hoax and that God really doesn't do anything in their life. Can I tell you, that is a lie. I remember being five years old, and I'm telling you, it radically changed my life. I was never the same from that day forward. The Holy Ghost is real. I don't care whether you're five or you're 25. When the, uh, when the Spirit of God comes down and lives on the inside of you, it changes everything about you. It changes the way you walk uh, and the way you talk. Uh, and if you allow it, you will never be the same. And I can remember from age five, never being the same and wanting to please God. And so I was just on my journey trying to please God. And then at 18, around the same time this message was being preached, I remember God brought it back to my remembrance. And I began to think, Lord, this has been a work of your hand. I haven't tried to make this happen. I haven't tried to do this, but God, you've orchestrated and I've honed my abilities. I've honed my talents. I've given all this to you, God. This is for your glory. This is for you, God. All that I do is for you. And that same day or, or around that same time at youth camp, Brother, uh, Brother Frazier was preaching this message and he began to tell you, uh, began to tell us that no matter what happens, don't you walk out on your calling. Don't you walk away from the anointing of God on your life. I don't care how much money or fame people offer you to, to make you go to sleep on your call I don't care what people say to you to make you give up on your call no matter what you do you make a decision that you're not going to bury the mantle of anointing that is on your generation and I remember right then and right there in that altar call I could just about take you to the spot remember making up my mind that it didn't matter what it cost me that I wasn't going to go to sleep on my call and at that moment nobody knew my name nobody knew who I was nobody knew the calling of God on my life nobody knew the purpose that God had on my life nobody knew the promise that God had made in my life I didn't have everything figured out I wasn't making a decision based on all the stuff that was in that was going offered me at that time but I made up in my mind God it doesn't matter what happened I'm committing to this truth I'm committing to apostolic doctrine I will not go to sleep on my call I will not go to sleep on my purpose I will not go to sleep on what you're telling me to do but God wherever you tell me to do I'm gonna do wherever you tell me to go I'm gonna go I'm sold out to the call of God on my life and it wasn't very long after that that God just began to open the floodgates for my ministry nobody knew who I was up until probably 19 until I was about 19 years old and from that moment on, God just began to do miraculous things and my ministry just began to flourish and grow. And many of you know this. This year, my song, Wait on the Lord, was the number one song on Billboard gospel charts. And that right there is a miracle in and of itself. We surpassed Kirk Franklin, which was crazy to think about. The song has over 1 million, probably close to 1,500 views and streams and plays over YouTube and Spotify and, and Apple Music. I mean, it's just been incredible what God has done as I've seen literally the promises of God come to pass in front of my very eyes. But you know something? The enemy never gives up trying to make you go to sleep in a time of harvest. And as these things begin to happen, even in this last year, I've had people come to me and say to me, hey, man, listen. Now, I know what kind of Christian you are. 
Now listen, I've grown up in the industry. I know everything. I know all the ins and all the outs about the industry. And here's the thing, man. You're just going to have to probably dumb down what you believe a little bit in order for you to be successful and have longevity in the music industry. Listen, man, you're going to have to make a decision that, that maybe, maybe this whole uh, uh, pastoring and preaching thing, maybe you're, maybe you're going to have to give up on that to pursue, uh, to pursue a, a real, real, real artist life. Maybe you need to give up. Maybe you need to quit preaching so strongly that people need to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Maybe you need to give up on those things. I'm telling you. The enemy came to me knowing that there was no way that he could stop the call of God on my life by himself. But if he can convince me to go to sleep, if he can convince me to forget about what God had done for me, if he can convince me to let go of the calling and the anointing of God on my life, he can convince me to lose. But can I tell you today that I had already made up my mind 10 years ago at an apostolic altar that I'm not going to go to sleep on my ministry. I'm not going to go to sleep sleep on my call. God didn't call me to be famous. God didn't call me to have money, but God called me to preach the gospel. God called me to stand for truth. God called me to stand for holiness. And there's not enough money in this world that can make me go to sleep. There's not enough fame in this world that can cause me to lose out on the call of God on my life. I wonder right now if you will begin to pray. I feel such a sweet spirit of the Lord settling in this room right now. Come on, young people. Don't go to sleep. Don't let the enemy lull you to sleep. There's a call on your life. There's destiny on your life. There's purpose on your life. There's an anointing on your life. What the world needs is not another superstar. What the world needs is not another millionaire, billionaire businessman. But what the world needs is a young person sold out to the call. What the world needs is a young person sold out to the purpose and the anointing of God on their life. Uh, would you just begin to pray right now? Come on, you need to make up your mind that you're not going to go to sleep. That you're not going to go to sleep during a God proclaimed time of harvest. But God, you're calling me into the kingdom for such a time as this. Come on, young man. I know you can see 10 years from now, but 10 years from now, God has a desire for you to be standing where I'm standing. Come on, young lady. I know you can't see it right now, but 10 years down the road, the call of God is on your life to preach the gospel. The call of God is on your life to be a soul winner. Come on, the choice is yours. The choice is yours. Come on. Come on. There are people attached to you tonight. There's somebody at your school attached to you tonight. 